Hi, everyone. Welcome to the table tonight. My name is Debbie Manning. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm glad you're with us. Hey, we are in a sermon series that we have entitled, I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me. Matt kicked it off a few weeks ago. Maggie uh, gave us a great message last week, and now it's my turn. Now, to be honest with y'all, it was really hard for me to settle on something to talk about. And I was thinking, you know, I've got 25 plus years on Matt and Maggie. Got a whole lot more life, a whole lot more to look back on, and a whole lot of, wow, I wish I would have known that. But I did finally settle on something. I'm going to tie it all together in this message tonight. I'm going to start with the story from Exodus, the story about Moses and the burning bush, a story that most of you probably know. It's probably in the top 10 best-known stories of the Bible. But here we go. We're in Exodus 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led this flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. So here's Moses. He's out shepherding his father-in-law's flock. And he sees this burning bush, a burning bush that burns without being consumed by the flame. He turns in for a closer look, and he hears this voice. The voice of God saying, Moses, don't come any nearer. You need to take off your shoes, because where you are standing is holy space. I always think that's an interesting thing, that God's pretty much his first words to Moses are, hey, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. Now, the removing of sandals uh, then and now in the Middle Eastern culture is a sign of respect for anyone who's entering into the presence of a king or to God's too. But I think there's more to the story than that. I think this is far more than, you know, good manners. I think it's far more than God saying, hey, this is how you are to behave in front of me. I think this is about that we as human beings created by God are both physical and spiritual beings. Spirituality, it's that dimension of living in this space where we are continually aware of God's presence. I think the sandals, what they do is they represent this physical piece of Moses. They cover a physical part of Moses. They tread on the physical world, and they gather physical material. And I think God is saying, Moses, take off those sandals. Leave all that behind. God is directing the conversation in a different, in a whole different direction. God's asking Moses to enter into a different realm, a different space, he is speaking to the wholeness of Moses, to his spirit, to his mind, to his soul. He tells him to remove his sandals because you are on holy ground. And why is it holy? It's holy because God is there. God didn't say, since you are in the presence of God, remove your shoes. He says, hey, the ground, the dirt, the bush, 
They've all taken on a holy condition. And I think what God is really asking Moses is notice the holiness before him, around him, and especially within him. I got your attention with the burning bush, right? But now I want you to take your sandals off. I want you to pause. I want you to breathe. I got something for you, and I need you to be fully present for that. You know, I look back on my life, my younger self, and I'm afraid that I rarely took my sandals off. And I wish someone would have told me to be present to the moment in front of me, to embrace it, to pay attention, because God is there. Busy, 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 always looking to the next thing, always preparing for the next thing. You know, we, uh, a lot of you met Kyle Jackson at our retreat last uh, winter, and he used to kid our family because we would always say, sorry, I'm heads down right now, I can't talk. Sorry, I'm heads down right now, I can't listen to what you have to say. Hey, sorry, I, I'm heads down, I can't partake in that. And Kyle would tease us about, I think that's your family mantra. Because in those years, we were trying to do it all, be it all, busy, 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 busy life, busy work, busy with kids, busy with church, busy with activities, busy with friends, busy with family, all really, really good things. But as I look back now, I see that the busy life, the busy life that I think I was proud of is not the full life. And we were show-uppers. I mean, we showed up at everything. But as I look back on that, I realize, were we really showing up? We might have been showing up with our bodies. But we weren't always there with our minds and our hearts, our souls. We would go from one thing to the next thing, barely stopping to take a breath. It was as though we were walking through life half asleep. And oftentimes it was, we just got to get to the weekend. We just got to get to the end of the day. We just got to get to the end of the project. And guess what? When we were heads down, we missed it. And I know I missed some sacred moments, those ones right in front of me, those moments that were both in the ordinary, those moments that were in those really hard places, and those moments even in the celebrations of life. I can't tell you guys how many Christmases Steve and I ran into just whipped. I mean, we went running into Christmas, and we were all the preparation and having to make it just so and getting ready for guests and, and everything else to make Christmas what we thought it should be. We were too tired to be part of it. We literally were falling asleep in some of those celebrations. And there are way too many stories for me to tell you guys, but I have one that I think is a good example that highlights what this was often like. You know, Annie Manning, when she was 10 years old, and we, uh, when our kids turned 10, we wanted to celebrate big. So we took Annie and the family to the Chanhassen Dinner Theater to see Oklahoma. And right up to that, Steve and I had just been particularly busy. We had been doing some traveling. We were trying to catch up after that trip. And we walked into that evening. We shared a dinner together. And as soon as that musical started, 60 seconds in, literally I was head down, face down on the table in a deep sleep for the entire show. Steve Manning, if you know him, was literally mortified. And as the um, 
as the cast was coming back on for that final chorus of Oklahoma, I literally whipped my head up, went, oh my gosh, that was amazing. My entire family looked at me like, who are you and are we connected at all because you're crazy? But that is an example, you guys, of how fast and furious we were moving through life. But here's the good news, and I hope this is good news in your lives too, is that even in all that crazy, God gave me these moments. I got a glimpse of how God was working. I had these experiences of being on really holy ground. And what it did for me, it grew this desire to have more and more of that kind of life. And what I tell you is that with age and experience and a lot of life behind me, I think I've learned pretty much how to be present in the moment. But here's the other piece of that. I continually need the reminder, especially in this time of COVID, it struck me as I was preparing for this that I've struggled more with being in this moment, in this time of COVID when things are so different. So yes, I need that continual reminder. And I have to say for me, it's been years of walking alongside people, not just in the joys and celebrations, but in the hardships, in the death and dying, in the crises. Those are those moments that I had um, this privilege of being in this holy space and where God taught me what it meant to set myself aside, set my stuff aside, take my sandals off and be in it. You know, I often, I think about my sister a lot, and you guys know that story. She passed away a few years ago of breast cancer. But I think about what she taught me about what it meant to be present. Two months before she died, and she knew she was dying, we all knew she was dying. 5'7", about 105 pounds, she was frail. But every year we did this Manning Women weekend, and she was determined to be there, and she got herself there to northern Minnesota from Colorado. And she was weak, and she was tired. And for the three days that the 24 of us were together, all the aunts, all the nieces, um, she mostly sat in a chair with a smile on her face, knitting away, and people would come back and forth and chat with her. Two days in, we were heading to bed, and I looked at her and I said, Let, you doing okay? And she lit up with this smile, you guys, and she looked at me and she said, I am taking in every moment, every moment in front of me, and it's such a joy to be a part of this. She knew she was dying, yet she had this ability to see God in all of that. So do you guys know people like that? Do you know those people that embrace each and every moment? The people that have the eyes and the heart to see the wonder, the mystery, the joy, the very living presence of God in every one place, experience in their life. Well, my friend Lynn, she's that person. She sees God everywhere. And she shines. Anyone that knows Lynn Giovanelli would say that she literally glows. Well, she knows what it means. She knows what it means to be present to the moment, to understand the holy ground that she stands on in the good and in the hard. 
and what I see when I look at her and her family, it gives her a whole and holy life. You guys, I think Lynn can say all of this better than I can. Let's have a listen. So hi, Table Community. I'm Lynn Giovanelli, and it's a privilege to be part of this group. I wish we were together. Um, when Debbie asked me if I'd be willing to share, it's, it's an honor um, to just get to share a little bit about um, my life and our life. But as I think about this message, um, I'm a person who has always gotten a lot done in a day. Um, a measure of my, my own worth and kind of my own purpose has been like, how much could I produce? How much could I do? And I, I loved having a roadmap of what was next. I was always climbing the next thing on the mountain. And that was, um, even in high school, like just different achievements and different things I wanted to learn and do. And that continued through my professional life. Um, I was working in corporate America and it was always about the next job and the next thing I was stretching for. And then we had a, had a family and have these three great boys. And it was just always about what was next. And um, for me, in 2009, um, that came to a real screeching halt and a real wake-up call. I think God knew that I was a person that needed a loud shout instead of a quiet whisper. Um, and in His mercy, um, I can now see it as that. That's what He gave me. So at the time, I was in real estate development, and um, the crash of the market was really a crash in my professional life. And shortly after that, where we lost a lot um, materially, I also lost some health um, along the way. So in 2011, what was at first a nervousness became a breast cancer diagnosis. And so while navigating um, the outcroppings of a failed uh, business because of the marketplace, I was also in kind of shambles with, um, with a breast cancer diagnosis. And so I was at my bottom. Um, I was a girl who could kind of make a lot of stuff happen. And at that moment, um, with both the crumbling of um, my career and my health, it, it really felt like I was at a, truly an all-time low. So um, that's when God got a hold of my heart. Um, I had always loved the Lord, but in the, in the climbing and the striving, I had kind of lost track. And so um, it was a particular moment in November where I was brought to my knees and really asked the Lord back, and um, that changed everything. So in now, I'm able to see that um, was sweet preparation for the moment that I'm in right now. So it was that process of the last decade where um, I got deeper into my prayer life and kind of reordered some priority. Um, our family was kind of on a, a building time of a sweet relationship and really growing in the right direction. Um, what had been back then, um, a nanny 70 hours a week and not really seeing my kids very much became um, really when everything blew up, it brought us all back together. And so again, um, only, only God would do that. Um, and as I sit here today, um, you may or may not know, but in July I was diagnosed with ALS, which is a pretty devastating diagnosis. Um, there's no cure. And so um, what had been a year of symptoms that were kind of nuance, kind of a, a nuisance, um, and bothersome. Um, it really came to a head in July when the doctors did confirm that that's, that's what we're, we're facing. And I would say um, a lot of things flooded through my head and through our head. Um, the hardest thing I ever did was to tell my kids 
um, Gino and I sat on the deck and just had this sweet family time that was gutting and at the same time holy. Um, and it, it really made me realize that all of those things that had happened over the past decade of um, bringing me back, wooing me back to trusting God in this moment um, was sweet preparation. So it really, it does look like provision for me to be sitting here um, with Gino facing death in the face, um, but not being afraid because I know that he's trustworthy. Um, it's, it's just pretty astounding, really. And one of the things that happened as I was going through a bunch of tests getting ready for this diagnosis, I heard um, the song, Keep Me In The Moment, and I had to pull over because that song, it was the first time I had heard it, and it shook me because I realized that's what I want. I want to be in this moment. I want to be kept in this moment. The preciousness of this moment right here is all any of us are promised. And I know that, and you know that, but gosh, to really know it, um, everything else kind of blurs and you're just able to be with the person you're with in the conversation you're with, um, appreciating this day, this temperature, even this pandemic, like as, as terrible as things might look, this diagnosis, there's still beauty in this moment. And that kind of rocks my socks off to think, how is that possible? And at the same time, um, there's this presence um, that makes it holy. Like, because we realize we're not alone in it, um, because what is offered to us in mercies that show up in people and in circumstances and in unexpected um, humor and even in hardship, there's a holiness in that, that the, as I look at the old me, as I might call it, there was this, I was too busy. I was, I was so busy, I was missing things left and right because I was looking at what was next instead of what is now. And I remind myself at this particular season to just be here now. Like if I feel my mind getting busy or if I'm trying, you know, if I find myself looking ahead, I just breathe in this moment. And, and what, what I'm experiencing is such beauty and I feel like everything is technicolor because I'm in this moment. So I'm not worried about what was yesterday or what's future. Um, you're able to see and experience with all five senses what's available to us now. And even, I, I think there's something about having a terminal diagnosis that um, invites almost your foot already being in this spiritual realm that allows for even more, um, I don't know, just more mercy, more, more you notice everything. And I am finding myself in conversations where I will say to a friend or a family member like, did you see that? Did you, did you hear that? Like it's, it's almost like it's um, louder and brighter and more beautiful because it's, it's right now. So I find myself not wanting to, if, you know, not wanting to hear my phone or not wanting to hear the extraneous chatter and extra stuff. 
um, and I lose track of time because I'm just here now, so I'm not worried about what's next. That can get me in trouble sometimes too, but um, there's just a, a beauty in really breathing in and, and really recognizing there's a piece in the being here now that comes along for me anyway, comes along with also remembering God's past provision that allows me to trust in this moment that even if on paper it doesn't look very good because on paper things don't look very good for me, um, I'm still able to, to see it for what it is and, and to even appreciate it if even that sounds kind of strange. Um, and it's when I look ahead that I get in trouble um, because that's when fear comes in and that's when doubt comes in and when I'm in the right now, I find that I'm able to just experience experience grace, experience mercy, experience people. And I see God working through and in people in a way that I'm positive. I, I missed it before. I, I was rushing ahead to the next thing. And um, when, I, when I actually am with my quiet time thinking about like, gosh, what I'm sorry for, what I, you know, that's one of my sorries. That's one of my things I just think, oh darn, I wished what did I miss? You know, like that's, that's a sadness for me. And then I also think that season also brought me to this moment, so I can't spend too much time there either. But it, when I do think about like, gosh, what, I don't really live with regret, but when I think about, I wanna, I wanna redo that chunk of time because I wanna notice it differently. I wanna be in those moments differently than what I was. Um, and, and yet, here we are. We're in the, we're in the right now, and it's a gift. Last month, um, Matt and Christian and I, we had this privilege of being part of Lynn and Gino's uh, vowel renewal, their wedding vowel renewal. Along with 26 years of marriage, they were celebrating this abiding love, an abiding love they had from God and between one another and the love of community. It was a beautiful, beautiful time. And I'll tell you that every single person that was a part of that, they took off their sandals and they paid attention because we knew we were on holy, holy ground. It was tender. It was joyous. It was heartfelt. It was clear that the divine was in our midst. And we all got to experience that. Thanks, Lynn, for sharing what you just shared. Hey, there is a quote, and it's a quote from Buddha. And I think it sums up what we're talking about quite well. He says this, life can only take place in the present moment. If we lose the present moment, we lose life. The beginning of knowing God is being fully present, is paying attention, is waking up. When we do that, we realize that we've been asleep and we realize that there's been a whole lot going around us that we didn't even know about. And we see it in the story of Moses, that God is more than everywhere, that God is the ground of the world's being, the very place of being itself. And to be awake and to be present in this place is to encounter God. It's about patience and paying attention and listening and hearing and feeling and seeing and tasting things that only moments ago 
were out of our reach. They were inaccessible. And you know those moments, right? Those moments where everything kind of slows down and you know deep inside that you're in the presence of something really good. It seems like colors are more vibrant and sounds are more meaningful. And there's something deep down inside us that grows, something that gets us all filled up. And in that moment, it's like we get to capture this awe of the God of creation. And that fills us with a gratitude that comes from beyond us all. My friend, Lynn, uses the word savor. She was telling me yesterday when she has those moments where she experiences God, it's like you're just savoring, just savoring the moment. I love that word. And friends, I think that can look like everything as simple as thinking about that first peach that you get to bite into in the summer that's so juicy and sweet. I think it's those bigger things like pausing and sitting as the sun rises or the sun sets, the births, the weddings, the deaths, the celebrations of life, all those beautiful things. It's the bald eagles that have been down at Lake Harriet. It was this fall with the change of colors. It's that call from a friend in that moment that you most needed it. I was thinking about last week, I, Steve and I hopped in the car to drive to Colorado, try to do that safely and see my parents that are in their 80s, um, and my nephew Riley and my brother-in-law Troy. It was nice out. We could still do outside social distancing. And I had this moment with Rye, you know, um, I hadn't seen him since last March, and we went for a walk six feet apart around a lake. It was simple. Because we walked, I thought, this is holy ground. He's sharing his life. Tell me about what he's up to. Tell me who's hanging out with. Telling me how he's he feeling about things. And I knew, I knew in this moment that it mattered. And it's those things, the sitting with my friends in the midst of this COVID, outdoors, bundled up, around a table, sharing our lives. It's, it's the grandbaby that walks in the front door, runs in the front door with arms outstretched, yelling, up, up, up. It's sitting with a friend's mother as she steps into, hub, into heaven, and then days later, sitting with my friend holy ground, sacred moments. I think we need to name them for what they are. It's the divine in our midst. And here's the beauty. We're already right where we need to be. We don't need to go anywhere. And when we're able to practice, to practice being present to what's right in front of us, then we get to recognize God, and it leads us to gratitude. In this season of COVID and isolation and all the division going on, yep, we might have to dig just a little deeper. We might have to hold hands just a little bit tighter. We got this, you guys. We have this moment, and we can be sure that God is here. Thanksgiving is this Thursday, and I am so grateful, so grateful for a God that is with us for the holy ground that we stand on and for this community that loves one another so well. So grateful for y'all. 
I'm going to end this service with a very brief prayer blessing from Henry Nowen. And it goes like this. From now on, wherever you go and wherever you are, all of the ground between us will be holy. Hi, everybody. My name is Patty, and I'm a part of the table team here. And I just love that story of Moses and the bush that was burning, and yet it didn't burn up. And I love his curiosity and excitement, how he turned aside and he went over and he saw the bush and then he heard a voice call his name out of the bush and he said, here I am. And I don't know if he knew it was God, but he was, he was interested and excited. Um, but I do know one thing and that is that he didn't really know how holy that moment was because God had to remind him when he said, Moses, take off your shoes because you are standing on holy ground. And the reason it was holy ground is clearly because of the presence of a holy God in that place. And it makes me think about the verse that Maggie quoted to us last week from John 1 that says, the word put on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Something had changed and God decided that he wanted to be close to us all the time, not just in a burning bush here and there or in the inner recesses of the temple where only a few people could go, but he wanted to be close to us all the time. And so he moved into the neighborhood. And for the life of me, the only reason I can think of why he would do that is because he loves us. He loves me, and he loves you, and he wants to be close to us. And because he wants to be close to us, because his presence is with us, then we can know that all of our moments are holy because of his presence there. And so on the night before Jesus was betrayed, he was having dinner with his disciples and he picked up a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And I kind of think maybe the disciples were like, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? That was something new. Who, what does he even mean? This is my body broken for you. And then he took the cup with wine and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant shed for you. And whenever you eat this bread and drink of this cup, do it in remembrance of me. And I'm sure the disciples knew that it was, there was something going on in that moment, but I know for sure they did not realize that for centuries to come, that whenever those of us who follow that same Jesus that they followed gather together and share in this meal that we would say those words together again and again and again just like Jesus did that night. And so I say to you, my friends, tonight, as you take of the bread of life, this is the body of Christ broken for you so that he can be close to you in all of your moments. And this is the blood of Christ shed for you so that you can know the holiness of each present moment. And now will you please join me as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.